Father, as we listen to your word, as we lean into what you want to talk to us about this morning, I just pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will just move amongst us, that you will just speak to our hearts and to our minds, challenge us, move us forward, speak a word of rebuke if that's what we need. But Father, speak to us now through your Holy Spirit, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so God's perspective for 2021. What does God want from me? Well, Fields Church, it's great to to see you. That's what I was going to say, but I can't see you because I'm not with you right now. So I won't say that, but thanks to your wonderful pastors for allowing us the opportunity to share with God's word with you this morning. Hopefully Ursula might be hiding in your congregation somewhere this morning, but we send our love to you all and we're just so looking forward to that time where we can meet together in person. What a season we are all living in. Well the world is certainly a different place to a year ago. The certainties people place their faith in have disappeared as we all realise that life is fragile at best. Jobs, employment are uncertain, health can be taken away. Many people have lost their work and jobs. Millions of meals, millions of meals have been provided to people over the last few months. And we have no doubt all asked ourselves what on earth is going on and how long will we be asked to live like this? Many, many people have gone into eternity having died and departed, leaving us with more questions. We've got used to new words such as lockdown, homeschooling. Children have got used to parents acting strangely at times. Daily exercise. I'm allowed to go out once a day and I'm going to make the most of it. But you can spy on your neighbour and see if they go out twice a day. What a world we're all living in. Teenagers miss hanging out and being three. But everybody's trying to meet online. Zoom has become uh, the tech word of the last year, I guess. No doubt this has made us examine our lives in new ways. Me and Ursula have noticed so many people have made major decisions in this last year. People have changed jobs, moved home, moved church, got into new rhythms. New habits have been made and some have decided to follow Jesus Christ more closely. But others have decided we want to find out more. And we have been hungry, really hungry to dive into his words. It's made us hungry for God. But the sad thing is many, many other people have become lukewarm. And I know that Sarah was speaking into that last week. But we don't want to be lukewarm. We want to see people sign up to Alpha, Christianity Explored, to get serious with God's words. And yet some people more have become more anxious drifted and become goalless, lost in why me, why us, why on earth is God shaking up our world as if we have rights to the way that we live today? Still others have thrived and have embraced the days. 
So let me ask you as you sit and lean into God's word and what he is going to say to us this morning, what is the most important thing in my life? What's the most important truth that you are holding on to this morning? Am I a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you? What are our lives displaying right and saying right now? If someone asked if you were a Christian this morning, would there be enough evidence to convict you or me? Are you just lost and you become a bit of a spectator in your life? You become dormant. You can't seem to move at all. So the question for you right now is this. Can God trust you? with a mission and what is he preparing you for next hmm. let's just recap before we move on to the mission and have an honesty moment how are you today how has your week been are you thriving or diving are you down or pumped up are you embracing the freedom we have to live closer to God without distractions of eating out, flying out, driving out? Whatever out you want to put in there, Jim even maybe, or are you drowning in worry and anxious thoughts for the future? It's an honesty moment. Nothing, nothing this world can offer us is more important than following the one who holds our future let me say that again this is important nothing nothing this world can offer us is more important than following the one who holds our future who holds everything together who holds my today and he holds my tomorrow he loves me he cares deeply for me and we can all say that this morning. God loves me. God loves Elijah. God loves Samaya. I love that. I love that. How incredible is that? Put your name into that. Say it to the person in the room. God loves you this morning. What a truth to grasp hold of and hold close at this time. Do you know, I was uh, recently walking uh, around uh, some of the lanes uh, nearby and uh, I, I love it because uh, it's, it's still, it's quite quiet early in the morning and uh, I can just talk to God and I'm trying to get into the habit of talking to God and asking God for things and I love the way that I've taken more of an interest in nature and, uh, and woodpeckers. I've learned to understand and hear a woodpecker's call and I love it. Now, I was walking along uh, uh, the lane and I could hear my friend, the woodpecker. And I thought, I just would love it if I could see. So I got underneath the tree and I was looking up and I, and I can remember saying, Lord, would, it, would you be OK? Could I see the woodpecker? I was looking and I just couldn't see him. And I said, oh, yeah, wouldn't you just like to show me the woodpecker this morning? Yeah, because God can do that, eh? So there I was under the tree talking to God about the woodpecker and all of a sudden the woodpecker flew out. And I thought, yes, I've seen the woodpecker. And it was a great God moment for me. 
It helps me to know it's God reassuring me that he listens. He's interested in my life. How is that possible? How on earth is that possible? The God of a trillion stars not only knows my name, but wanted and wanted to give me a little bit of reassurance there and show me a woodpecker. How great is our God. God chooses a relationship with you this morning. He does. He chooses it. But God also says to you and to me, can God trust me? Full stop. Can God trust me? So we're going to read. We're going to lean into God's word. We're going to do the story. Then we're going to apply it with three points and look at God's perspective. And then I'm going to leave you with you decide. So settle down. You don't need to see me. If you've got Zoom fatigue, just get your Bible open at Jonah. Jonah is in the Old Testament. It's quite near the back. He's a what they call a minor prophet. So work back from Micah and you'll get to Jonah. Bit of a background. Jonah was a Hebrew. He was a Jew. Nineveh was part of modern day Mosul in northern Iraq. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, Israel's enemy. No friend of Jonah. Jonah was also mentioned, just for reference, in 2 Kings chapter 14, verse 25, during the reign of Jeroboam, king of Israel. That's the only other time that we read about Jonah. Jonah had a cool job. He had one of those great jobs. Jonah was a prophet. And that simply means that God used him by giving him insight of situations. And he would then send him on missions to give God's judgment or a word of warning to a group of people, to a city, to wherever. And we're going to interrupt and we're going to look at Jonah's story. And a shame we're going to read a lot of the story because we're going to get excited about God's word and we're going to ask God to speak to us through his words. So let's read the story of Jonah. And don't forget, can God trust you with a mission? That's the question. Jonah chapter one. Jonah flees from the Lord. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittal. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee, to escape from the Lord. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up and all the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below the deck where he lay down and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up. Call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And they cast lots and a lot fell on Jonah. And so they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? 
And he answered, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them. And they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them. And the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the sea calm down for us? <laughs> Pick me up, throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to the land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew At this, the men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Going on to verse seven. This is Jonah. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah is getting pumped up. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the dry ground. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, second time, Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh, proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. And Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. And when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes and covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call gently, urgently on God's. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent. And with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented. And he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Wow. Awesome God. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong and he became angry he prayed to the Lord isn't this just what I said Lord when I was still at home this is why I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish I know you are a gracious and compassionate God slow to anger abounding in love a God who relents from sending calamity now Lord take away my life for it's better for me to die than to live but the Lord replied is it right for you to be angry then a little bit later, 
But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plants? The plant that had grown up, God had caused the plant to grow. It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I was dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Jonah, get real. I'm sure God is going to bless that exciting uh, story from his uh, words. Wow. So we've read the story. Let's just do a quick uh, summary uh, through it. So, Jonah gets a mission from God, but he doesn't want it. And he tries and does a runner. Remember, he would have no love for the Assyrians. He was a Jew. So he gets on a boat and goes in a different direction. Then a great storm happens. Then there's a battle with a big fish and Jonah understands he has to do it, do as he's been told. So they throw him overboard. And long story short, God speaks to him a second time and says, Hey, Jonah. Often Nineveh, I've got work for you to do. Jonah goes and gets to Nineveh. But Jonah's response after he delivered his message, he went outside and he went into lockdown. That's a familiar word, isn't it? Jonah, after he delivered the word of God, went into lockdown to see what God was going to do. And he was angry when he saw that destruction didn't come. He left the city, if you read verse 5, chapter 4, locked down, sat down to see what would happen, made a shelter in the shade, and God had made a plant to grow to give him added shade to make him a little more comfortable. Why? Because he's God, and he can do that. And God can do cool stuff. He can make plants to grow up overnight or just in a few moments. But Jonah was angry, and he was unhappy, and he was in a sulk. And I wonder what we do if God doesn't do what we want him to do. Do we have a sulk? Do we throw a strop? He waited to see what would happen. God looked after him while he had a strop. So Jonah and God have words. And God reminds Job of a few home truths and gives him God's perspective on the situation. So the second point is this, as we look at God's perspective, we know we've read the story. Now let's see God's perspective on Jonah and let's have a glimpse at God's heart. So a few general points when looking at a God perspective. Jonah, don't get angry when God shows mercy and grace. How many times have we got angry when certain people or organisations seem to flourish or prosper and people seem to be successful and all sorts of things go on and we don't like it. And Jonah didn't like it because the Ninevites, the Assyrians, were shown mercy and grace and Jonah didn't like it. He knew God was a God who would just do that sort of thing. (laughs) And he got cross. But Jonah, don't belittle your role. You did good. You see, your preaching caused a reaction. 
Your words that God gave you to deliver caused repentance. The people took you seriously. You spoke with authority. And for 40 more days, when he said Nineveh will be overthrown, he delivered his message in a way that was believable. I always remember being told and hearing when Billy Graham spoke, he spoke with authority from God's word. And so can you. It's God's word. It's not your word. The power of the call of repentance. It's God's work. You see, we can sow. We can speak the words. But it's, it's God's work that uses and takes that seed to a person's hearts and brings fruits. And when Jonah had spoken, the rest of it was up to the people and God's. And when God speaks to you, and if he's speaking to you this morning, it's up to you. What's your response to God this morning? What's he saying to you this morning? Have you been so wrapped up in, in the way that you're looking at lockdown, in the way that you're looking at the situation here, that you've forgotten about God's perspective? What is God doing here? What is God saying to me? What's God trying to, to say to me in this time? You see, the message resonated with the people. How many times have you heard somebody say, that was just for me? You can have one message and everybody receives that message differently. And someone say, oh, God spoke to me in that thing. God spoke to me in that one. And you think, how amazing is that? But he's God. He can use his word. He will use his words. So God's perspective is that if he wants to show grace, and if he wants to show mercy, that's up to him. But the first main point is this, is God is long-suffering. Wow. 2 Peter 3, verse 8 to 10. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, Lord, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, a reminder from God, Jonah, you showed concern for the plant that you didn't have any input into. So what do you think about this great city of Nineveh? It has 120,000 plus souls. You see, the word of God said that God is not willing that any should perish. How do I know? Because it says in his words. You see, God always sees and he always wants to draw us to repentance and to faith. But you see, don't be ignorant, the word of God says of this, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years. He's long suffering and a thousand years is as one day. I don't get it. God is patient. He's given you time to wake up right now. You've been in lockdown. It's time to be woken up, to repent and get a God perspective on your life and on your journey. Time is different when you have a God view. He sees everything. He is always doing something. And yet when I ask him if I can see a woodpecker, he can hear me. Wow. God is always working out his purposes, but God is long suffering. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Number two, God is on the lookout for seekers. So to understand God's perspective, we need to understand what he's looking for. God is always looking and always doing something. You see, Psalm 53 verse 2 says this, God looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. 
He's looking for those that seek God. Hey, Jonah, you got angry, but you forgot something important. It's different when you've invested into something. You see, God made us. He's invested into us. He gave us life. Of course, he wants us to come to know him. He yearns for you to know him. He loves you with an everlasting love. The Green Company recently went bust. And now you have a number of reactions. Shareholder was sad and annoyed. The person that was supplied the energy is annoyed because they've got to sort something new out. The owner was a little bit broken up. But they asked themselves, can we bring it back? They invested not just their money, but something of themselves. What can we recover? And when God's made us, when we're knit together in the womb, God says, I've invested into you. Jonah, I'm invested. I love these people. I see them differently to you. I know their names. I made them. I have invested into their lives. Who are you to tell me what to do and what's just? You see, God always sees. God always sees. Repent. God gives Jonah his perspective. Hey, don't tell me I can't repent and turn from being angry on these people. Don't you see I love them? And when 120,000 people went in sackcloth and ashes and came to me for forgiveness, I will listen to them. I want them to come back. I love them. I'm invested in them. I'm praying for them. That's what I want you to do. What does God else, what God want you to do? Think of someone you don't get along with this morning. Think of someone that you find really difficult with you. How do you think God sees that person? Wow. Pray for kings and for all those in authority, God says. God's perspective that we may live peaceably in quiet lives. God's perspective. Pray for them. That's what we've been told to do. What does God desire from us? Micah 6 verse 8. He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Act justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Deuteronomy 4.29. But from there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you seek him with all your heart and with all your soul. You see, God wants you to repent and come home. That's why that's why Jonah was sent on a mission. And when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring destruction on them. God wants repentance and faith. He's looking for it. It's bigger picture stuff. So what does God want sinners to come to come to repentance? Yes. He wants them to come to repentance. Nineveh's mission was to save 120,000 plus souls. But I want you to know this, that the good shepherd also goes after the one. What's the enemy trying to do to you? Trying to lock you down, lock down Christians, dampen your faith, bring you to a life of apathy, to dry your faith up, stop you from growing. That's what the Satan is trying to do right now. So wake up, drive out fear and doubts when they invade our mind. Get rooted in the word of God. Does the news drive our emotion, feed our fears day to day? Have we been desensitized to sin? This world is rotten. 
It's absolutely rotten. We need to come back to the word of God. We need to teach our children. Anything goes. But do we even care? Have we stopped caring? Have we forgot the wonder of the God that we have to do with? God is long-suffering. Let's recap. God is long-suffering. The time is coming to an end. God is long-suffering. He's patient. God's perspective. Second, God is on the lookout for those that seek him. And God wants you to repent. God's perspective. These are the things that God is looking for. So, summary. Look for God. Seek him. Just do it. Ask yourselves a question this morning. Have I grown? Is my family thriving? What am I saying to my wife, husband, friends to build them up? What am I doing to set people up to move forward and win? Sarah spoke to you last week about being lukewarm. And have you become lukewarm indifferent? Then we need to get back on our knees and we need to pray and get God's perspective. This life is transient. It doesn't last long. It doesn't last long. We'll be in eternity soon. The saddest thing that I've heard over the last few months is so many people have died and they weren't ready. Nurses and doctors have spoken about it and reported that the people weren't ready to die. God is sovereign over all. If he gives them a minute till midnight to bring them home, then thank the Lord for that. If he pays all the laborers, do you remember the same, no matter how many hours they put in, he's God. Don't question him, he's God. If the dying can be saved at the end of of their lives, he is God, he is sovereign over all. So God's perspective is I want them to know me. I created you, I made you, I knew you in your mother's womb. God has unique insight. God's perspective is governed by love, unique insight. He molded you, knit you together, wants to give you time to repent, to change. He is sovereign. He doesn't need your permission or Jonas to love you and to show you mercy. So lastly, you'll see a couple of slides come up and they'll just summarise a little bit of the things that we've been saying. But the final slide will say something like this. The God of a trillion stars knows my name. In closing, before I hand over to Pastor Richard, I want you to turn round to anyone in your room or, or near to you and I want you to tell them, that God knows your name. It's awesome. And he wants to be in a relationship with you. When? Right now. God is awesome. I pray that God will just bless his word to you. I can't overemphasize how important it is to follow him more closely in these days. Love him more dearly. God loves you. God cares so much for you. And God sees you right where you are. God bless.